Ahoy authors! You're listening to the Writership Podcast, a show focused on helping indie authors master self-editing skills. So come aboard and get ready to find the treasure in your manuscript with hosts Leslie Watts and Alyssa Archer. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Writership Podcast. I'm Leslie Watts. And I'm Alyssa Archer. Leslie and I are the co-captains of Writership.org, where we create books, programs, and content for writers who want to improve their craft or learn how to write a novel. Over the last few decades, we've learned a lot from other writers, and with this podcast, we want to pay it forward and help you edit your way to greatness. If you'd like to find out more about us and Writership, you can find us on the web at Writership.org. The Writership Podcast is brought to you by the Author Marketing Institute as part of the AMI Podcast Network. You can learn more about how AMI is helping authors by visiting www.authormarketinginstitute.com. If you go there today, you can gain free access to their brand new video course entitled Selling Your First 100 Copies. That's authormarketinginstitute.com. In this podcast, we critique actual submissions from authors who understand they may need a little help seeing the flaws in their own writing, and they're brave enough to share this experience with you. We start each episode with a quote of the week, then Alyssa reads the sample submitted by our authors, and then Alyssa and I provide substantive revisions if needed, and copywriting, copy editing, that is, suggestions. Finally, we send you away with an editorial mission of the week to help you apply one of the principles we discussed in the show. So, Alyssa. Let's get started. <laughs> so today's quote is from Donald Moss, and I love this. Okay, here we go. Bringing to life the world of your novel is more than just describing it using the five senses. A place lives most vividly through the eyes of its characters. The unique way in which each one sees what is around him is how setting itself becomes the character in the story. Think about it. By itself, landscape is unchanging. Well, mostly. It takes a person to perceive its differences over time. Delineate those evolving perceptions, and the world of your novel will feel rich, dynamic, and alive. And again, that's from Donald Moss. Mm, that is such a good one, and really a good point about how uh, the setting is more interesting through the filter of a character's perception. I really like that. Me too. All right. Shall we get to our critique session? Yes, let's do Okay, today's submission comes from Atlee Bennett, and this is from an as yet unpublished crime thriller. It's the first five pages that she's working on, and the working title right now is Looking in Shadows. So here we go. Lilith tipped the rearview mirror to see herself. Ugh, terrible. She looked tired and rushed. Spending two hours at a doctor's office with two small children would not win her any beauty contests today. Fighting with her husband to take the kids last minute and breaking her promise of vacation was a source of tension for later. She could do something about the appearance part. The emotional stuff would have to get locked into a in a box until later. At the next red light, she braided her tangled hair. The light turned green as she reached for her daughter's pink and yellow hair tie on the floorboard pink and yellow would have to do. 
She upended her brown leather briefcase bag, sweeping migrant Cheerios from the bottom. How did her son even get those in there? She stuffed her phone, both pairs of handcuffs, paper forms, and airbook back in, setting it in the passenger seat. Pens. She needed pens. Kalachi and mouth, she pulled her gun and cross holster from the glove box and wrestled it on. She had pens somewhere. What was that under the seat? She'd need to wait for another red light to see. Two traffic lights away from the precinct, she spilled her coffee in the center console. Shit, she swore through the pastry. Her son's stuffed dinosaur sat in silent condemnation from the back seat. Not a word, Abba, she threatened, turning into the PD's parking garage. She flashed her badge to the reader and the arm lifted. Stopping to get a department vehicle was increasing her response time, but she was not about to drive her personal car to a crime scene. Definitely not with two car seats in the back seat. Plus, she'd already stopped to change clothes. Twenty extra minutes to grab a car wouldn't make that much of an impact. Lilith dug in her back seat for suitable shoes. The black tactical flats she'd spent almost a full paycheck on were nowhere to be found. The only shoes under the blanket on the floorboard were the pearlized inch-tall heels from last Easter. They had no arch support to speak of and tapped loudly when she walked. Damn. She had no choice. It was either these shoes or barefoot. Hopping on one foot to adjust her hose, she grabbed her bag, abandoned pack of colored pencils, and Abba the Red Dinosaur. It was a moment of odd sentimentality, and even though she didn't fully understand it, she needed something from home right now. A judgmental red dinosaur was just that. There they are, Lilith said to, Lilith said to Abba. She put the department's tan Monte Carlo in park, 15 feet from the flashing police cruiser. There was far less fanfare than she expected. After hearing all of that squawking over the radio, there should be more units here. This was slightly disappointing. Detective Branco stood squinting in the afternoon sun, a menthol in his fat fingers. His back was to the building Lilith took for the location in question, the only building on this two-lane drive. His sweat and indifference rolling off of him like waves, palpable at even this distance. I really hate that man, she muttered, stuffing the last of the kolache in her mouth. A final swig of lukewarm coffee and she was standing in the windless heat. A beat passed before Lilith accepted she'd have to walk to him. Well, he gruffed, shifting his weight in his shoes. Sure as hell took you long enough. My youngest had an appointment, she half apologized. I'm not on call today, or even this week. Exigent circumstances, Bronco smirked. The homicide. Apparent. The investigation isn't completed. It's a homicide. He dipped his chin to glare at her over his glasses. At the Tats and Tarts uh, body shop. Not a single cop on the force hasn't booked a stay. Except you, for you, Fifty Shades. Lilith gritted her teeth. Was the derogatory nickname more offensive than the mental image of Branco rutting at a brothel? Nope. They were both disgusting. Don't make me lose my lunch. He handed over the damp paper folder. The owner's Deba Pedestine. She'll be the tall brunette with purple spots. Schroeder was the responding officer, arriving at 1245. He cleared the scene and, and released it to me at one o'clock. And now it's mine. Precisely. He cleared his throat. Gray. Detective Gray, she auto-corrected. 
She had earned that promotion, that distinction, and it pissed her off to no end to have to defend it. Get this perp, Fifty Shades. Branco pinched the tip of his cigarette. Lilith signed the control sheet, taking custody of the file. She watched Branco linger, linger for a moment before he squeaked away in his leather shoes. Odd. She read the case file, a breeze high on her wish list. It was hot in the sun. At least she'd been smart enough to grab the cotton jacket from the house and not the leather one. Hopefully she wouldn't be sliding on asphalt today. She flipped the stack of reports. Already at an inch thick, this would grow exponentially as she investigated. She was learning to love paper copies. Law enforcement was trending back to paper copies. No one wanted to be another Richmond. And as per this department's policy, she'd learned to love paper, even if it killed her. Detective Gray? A uniform approached her. She held up her weight finger as she turned the pages. There, she said, closing the file and slipping it into her bag. Now that I'm brief properly, how may I help you? This way, please, the young female cop directed. The two-story brick and shingle building was newer than she expected. The sod hadn't blended well. In fact, there wasn't much landscaping to notice. The tiny oak sapling in the front yard was little more than a stick with three leaves. No wonder Branko was standing in full sun to smoke. So this is a tattoo parlor and brothel? Lilith asked her escort. Yes, ma'am. Interesting. They have good pie here, too, she said, lifting the yellow tape on the barricade. Pie? What? Lilith asked, signing the in-sheet. She checked her watch. 2.35. The blueberry's my favorite. There you are, my dear, the coroner said, opening his van. I've just declared her. Pop in quick to see her before I move her. Thank you, Parker, she said, distracted. Pie? Any time, love. Two news vans from local stations weaved around the police cruisers and pulled up to the barricade, blocking the coroner's van. Push those horses back, she told the beat cops. Don't let them up, set up so close. Lilith turned back to the building. So many weak points. Latticework allowing access to the second floor, and the architecture left lots of blind spots. At least there were no bushes to hide behind and nothing but open fields on all sides. Not even the sod would help. It was supposed to be babied. There was a 17-step care plan, but there had been no significant rainfall in recent memory, and this establishment either respected the water restrictions of the city or, more likely, fundamentally opposed watering the lawn on principle. Either way, any hope of footprint recovery was shot to hell. She entered by way of the double glass doors and into chaos. I feel like there should be some dramatic music there. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, good. Yeah. I really like this, uh, this opening. I think the, the character is really interesting. There are lots of really great details uh, without an info dump. Um, and I think the dialogue sheds light on the characters and who they are. I agree. I think it's a nice start and it's it's interesting so diving into our critique i would not normally recommend that a writer begin a story with their character traveling to their destination um but miss bennett 
does a really nice job working in so many details about her character Lilith that it's worth it. It's we see so much about her distractedness. We learn about her possible marital problems. We learn about her children and how frazzled she feels. She's supposed to be on vacation. We learn, you know, that she's she's balancing a lot. Um, and so I think it really works for this. Mm -hmm. And normally you wouldn't want to have a character kind of sitting in sitting and traveling because it's not that interesting because you want to open with something more powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Normally you'd want more than one character in the scene right away and you'd want to have some interaction. But I think there's enough going on here that I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It works for me. Um. So, I mean, there are minor things throughout this. There are missing words and a, f a few little echoes and things like that. But I think for this story, um, my other biggest issue with it was that I wanted Lilith to have a little bit more clout by the time we reach the actual scene of the crime. Um, we've learned that she's distractible or distracted. We've learned she's got a lot going on. We've learned that her colleagues disrespect her to the point that they call her 50 shades which you know is not um not something i would want to be called i'll mm -hmm. put it that way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think there's an opportunity especially right when she's flipping through those pages of the briefing rather than focus so much on the paperwork there I mean, I think we are, it goes a little bit overboard talking about the paper and the paperwork and why, how nobody wants to be another Richmond. I think there's an opportunity instead for her to reflect on what she's learned and demonstrate just a little bit more competence as she's going into this. Um, from there, we do see that she's evaluating the scene and um, evaluating exit routes and things of that nature so she definitely has an analytical mind but just a little bit more about her competence to you know overcome the setup of her distractedness and her messiness and her colleagues being so disrespectful i think would be helpful with this one but otherwise i'm excited to read on and um i'd love to see where adley takes this yes yes i agree what about you what would you suggest to her so I had a couple of suggestions. Um, one is to vary the sentence structure. There's a, um, the, uh, I'll just give a couple of examples that will probably demonstrate this better than I could just spit out right now. So she upended her brown leather briefcase, sweeping migrant Cheerios from the bottom. I love migrant Cheerios, by the way. Um, but, but the, that, she has a sentence and then sweeping, you know, this clause, sweeping migrant Cheerios. Here's another one. Not a word, Abba, she threatened, turning into the PD's parking garage. And then another, I really hate that man, she muttered, stuffing the last of the kolache in her mouth. Uh, and then there's uh, Branco has one, well, he gruffed. Or no, it was more, well, he gruffed, shifting his weight in his shoes. So this, this sentence structure where you have this, you know, you have the sentence and then you have this, the clause that follows it, that starts with an, um, an ing verb, um, is, a you know, it appears a lot in these first five pages. And I would just suggest to, uh, to Atlee that she, 
um, that vary it up a little bit, like work for, look at where you, you know, there's a repetitive structure and just change it up. Um, the, and of course, the best way to do that is by reading it aloud so that you hear those uh, places where that happens. Good point. Uh, next, I want to talk about something that kind of delighted me a little bit. Um, the uh, Here's Atlee used the word autocorrected in, a, in an unconventional way. Detective Gray, she autocorrected. She earned that promotion, that distinction, and it pissed her off to no end to have to defend it. It's okay, of course, to make up new words. Uh, the other day I heard the word multi-slacking, which apparently has been around for a while, but uh, I hadn't heard it, and I loved it. It's such a great word. Uh, so we have a living language, and it changes, so it's absolutely okay for us to add new words and new senses of words. Um, the things that you want to make sure about, you want to check in about, are that they work and that your readers can readily tell what they mean. Um, in this context, I think autocorrected really works, and it's a nice extension of the conventional meaning. The final thing I want to talk about today is dialogue tags. So we have, um, in this submission, there are some elaborate dialogue tags, uh, and the uh, that's like, you know, things other than said, and I don't have it right in front of me, uh, but uh, you can see them in the in the submission that we'll share on the yeah, website. I, I mean, we've got, she threatened. Thanks. She Melissa. muttered. No problem. She half apologized. Um, there was the one you mentioned before, Branko gruffed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so the the Pro what's the problem with these? Uh, the, you know, one might argue that they further illuminate the story. They can, but they also often take away from the dialogue and the content of the story. So a dialogue tag should be unobtrusive, kind of slide beneath the radar. A lot of um, editors will say that, you know, the word said, you don't even really read it. It's just, it's noted in the brain and then you move on. Uh, so... It's okay to use something different occasionally, but you all always want to avoid any that sound too dramatic, like bark or shriek or purr. That'll <laughs> um, pull the reader out of the story and take away, as I said, take away from the from the dialogue. I think also, um, if you're finding that you have to say those words, it, it's an indication that maybe your dialogue isn't doing its job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel like you need to explain it, then you might want to um, beef up your dialogue. Yeah. Excellent point. So right. that brings us to our editorial mission. This is where I want more dramatic music, of course. Uh, <laughs> so, dun, dun, dun. yeah, <laughs> coming soon. Uh, so, this week we want you to look at your dialogue tags. Read the first ten pages or so of your manuscript and take a good close look at those tags. Switch out any of them that are elaborate. Uh, you know, that me other than said or asked, if you notice that your characters are hissing, shrieking, or purring repeatedly, you can use your word 
processors search function to root them out. So get after those dialogue tags and make your dialogue stand out. And if you want to be really brave, you could look through your entire manuscript and do a find for just the end quotes, do a find for quotation marks, and that'll get you right to the dialogue. Nice. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for that. So authors, are you ready to find out how you can improve your own writing? We'd love to help. We are actively seeking submissions for our podcast. You can find out all the details as well as the show notes from today's episode at writership.org slash podcast. We hope that you'll trust us with your words and we'll do our very best to help you elevate your writing to the next level. So please do send in your submission today. And remember, the Writership Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Author Marketing Institute, which you can find at www.authormarketinginstitute.com. Don't forget to stop by today for access to the video course, Selling Your First 100 Copies. And don't forget to visit us on the web at writership.org. Join our crew and you'll get a copy of the Writership Sampler, a book full of exercises and writing prompts to inspire you. That's all for now. Join us next week for a new adventure in editing on the Writership Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Writership Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and sharing the show with your author friends and communities. And right after you do that, make sure to contact the hosts, Leslie and Alyssa, to help you find the treasure in your manuscript. Head on over to writership.org forward slash podcast to submit your pages.